Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Dum-de-dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here, Philippa Hall, with my flappy paddle gearbox. And Quentin Rayner and Philippa, have I told you how hot you look in Willies? <laughs> That's not what's in my script. <laughs> I've just changed it. Thanks. <laughs> I'm scratching around with your silly little woollen hats. There's you lot, our lovely dum-de-dummers. This week's Midsummer Murders dum-de-dum tune is from our Stephen. And on this episode, we're lucky enough to hear contributions from Erica, our Rob, Tracy in California, Catherine in Canterbury, Cycling Again, Christine, Witherspoon, Emily from Canada, Chris in York and Anon of Ambridge, plus Tweet of the Week, Facebook Roundup and welcoming new members of our Facebook group. Predictions for next week and the dum-de-book-dum item this time with Stuart Lawrence. Marvellous. So let's look back on the Ambridge week and what have you sniffed out for us this time, Q? This week started with the startling revelation that Ruth has a terrible medical condition known as poo on the brain as she explained the complexities of storing slurry to Beth. I don't go on about slurry, do I? Ruth whimpered to Josh. But he just wanted to talk about his bright idea for solar panels at Brookfield. They'd pay for themselves in just eight years. So obviously Ruth gave him a definite no and got her head buried in dairy herd listings again. 
aka where the sun don't shine. But at least she hasn't got shit for brains, unlike Freddy. If you thought he might struggle at crypto, a cryptic clue blew his mind. Look for me where the band can't sit down? Had him hopping mad in his pursuit of the Easter Bunny for Lower Loxley's event. After he'd worked out it was... Bandstand. He hurtled off to the memorial gardens to secure his... Marketing coup. Like an excitable kid who's had too many sweets. Two secret parties were being planned. A book token. Was the only thing David could suggest Vince might buy for his sister's birthday. While Rory revealed the only reason he's packing Brian and Jenny off to Bath was to throw a party at home. But none of the guests are his uni friends. Hmm. And he wasn't saved by the bell either after his phone went off, revealing a call from a Julianne. Tetchily, he told Ben and Beth to drop it as he visibly blushed. Ardil continued to stick his nose in all over Grey Gables. Ian was fed up with him hanging around his kitchen. And Cathy was annoyed his electric car was blocking her parking space. But of course, we never heard from the hot cross hun. Topical gag there, folks. However, Trace's head was turned after the smoothie in the suit bet Oliver wished he had a few more traces around. He's very charming. The receptionist swooned. He thinks I have a lot of potential and could do well elsewhere. Her suspicious jazzer wasn't having any of it. Stay put, Hen, he told her, and he'd find another job to supplement his reduced barrow hours. Hearts were fluttering as Ben and Beth finally cashed in their supercar day. Ben got in a flap about his paddles and bailed early, giving up his seat to Leonard, who turned out to be a natural. As B&B had a heart-to-heart and declared they were in love, Jill was being given the ride of her life by the instructor Carl at 120 miles an hour. My legs are still wobbling, the adrenaline junkie confessed after Leonard offered to take her up the Hassett Hills afterwards. Is Vince a pussycat, fox or loan shark? The self-confessed chancer had 40 grand burning in his back pocket and was desperate to lend it to David and Ruth to install the solar panels. The Brookfield Luddites resisted. But was swept away by West Midlands charm. You can take the boy out of Brub, but you can't take the brubby out of the boy. He whimsically opened with... I like you, that's why I offered you the loan, and I respect you too much to try and pull a fast one. A final flourish. The deal was sealed with a hug and a kiss, and a compliment about Brookfield's cow-shaped bog brush. Rory loved it that B&B were all loved up, and his bestie hoped Julianne was the girl for him. Turned out she was a sugar mummy twice his age. He'd met online at a site called Sugar Baby, where rich people pay to hook up with someone younger for companionship. Oh yeah, right. Pass the £80 bottle of wine over here, would you? (laughs) Oh, so cute. How's your week been? Uh, well, um, I, I just want to say I was in the presence of royalty earlier on because you came on. Once again, folks, we are we can see each other again, <laughs> having got over the shock last week. So we hope to give you a bit more zip this time because we could, we could have driven a bus through some of the gaps, couldn't you? We just looked at each other. Ooh, that's <laughs> um, so uh, you came on this morning wearing a tiara, which was I did. interesting. I didn't. Well particularly compared to yesterday when we had to uh, do some checks online and I wasn't quite at my best. No, you will see, and you'll see what, I, what we mean when I, I'll post something on our Facebook group later on. Yes. Uh, you ask how my w- week has been. Uh, I, we've 
my wife and I have been in self-imposed isolation because we are going away and we have to get a negative COVID test before we can fly. Um, so we've been sort of stuck together for 10 days, which has been delightful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the a measure of how dull the week has been was that I can honestly say the highlight of my week was the arrival of a bumper pack of pants for me. But I, with with I was very pleased with this that I chose correctly with my preferred A front, uh, which I presume you know what an A front is. I've no idea, no. and I don't think I want to know. No, it's 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 that all important side slit. Anyway, I, I was very happy that I chosen the right ones. I, I, t- I told you that that's the level of it's awful <laughs> of my excitement this week. Um, a few walks and a bike ride as well. <laughs> Top that if you can. A front, go. I don't even want to try. I've had my first hot cross bun ever, which was very nice. Ever? Yes. It had apple in it and it was lovely. Uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. You've never had a hot cross bun before? Well, why would I? There's no chocolate. It just seems, you know, what? once more another waste of calories. So How can you have lived half a century, sorry to give your rage away, and never had a hot cross bun? <laughs> Well, I've, I seem to have spent most of my week talking to you, Quentin, to be honest. You accompanied me on a dog walk. You accompanied me on a run. <laughs> and I had to keep stopping because I couldn't talk. <laughs> Sounds like I'm stalking you. These are all legit <laughs> conversations, folks, honest. Um, I completely stumped you there saying you looked hot in wellies, didn't I? You weren't ready for that one. But it wasn't in the script. Yeah, I wasn't expecting I you to it. say lost... that. You were, spoke, you were going to be saying about put the peeler down. Put the peeler down, but I that was to that was a decoy because, and I was thinking it'd be all sort of cooey and gushing. Oh, thank you, just nothing. Uh, like bloody tumbleweed, wasn't it? Nothing. Well, when you post the pay photo, a compliment, folks. no, when you Sorry? post the photo that you took yesterday, I think everyone will understand. <laughs> the wellies are just the best bit. <laughs> it's all good fun, but yeah, happy Easter anyway. Oh, happy Easter! Of course, we're doing this Easter Sunday, so happy Easter, everybody! Yes, I've been yes. eyeing up my Easter egg, but I've been very good and uh, not succumbed yet. Yeah, I've res- resisted mine. So, just uh, so everyone knows, so you can I just I just going oh, to see a couple of things on top of your just there, just <laughs> some silver foil, you... some silver foil. What's 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 I really... oh, Let's have a, those two little bits of brightly coloured silver foil. What are they, Philippa? Listen, you, I wasn't zippy enough last week, so I have my emergency zippy provision on top of which the are? recording booth, which, yes, they may be chocolate biscuits from Marks and Spencer's, but they're not Easter eggs, so I haven't succumbed. Right. So okay. thank you they're very really much. Thick, really thick chocolate ones, folks. If you hear munching, that's what's going on. <gasps> yeah. Sorry, you're going to ask me a question. Sorry, I, I butted in there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you're heading off... Well, you start your trip tomorrow. Uh, yeah, we have to go and get our uh, certified test tomorrow and then uh, head down to Heathrow to fly out on Tuesday. Yeah, so uh, I won't be on next week, will I? No, I'll talk about that a bit more later on. But yes, we've got Natasha okay. joining next week. And then the next two, we are attempting to hmm. record together, aren't we? If your Wi-Fi holds up. If my Wi-Fi holds up, yes. You're not yes. going to be in Details. Bournemouth, though. Where, where where are you going to be? Oh, let's leave it as a surprise. OK, all right, fair enough. It's not so Bournemouth. It's, it's a bit more exotic than Bournemouth. Begins with B. It does. Anyway, that's, that's definitely enough about us. Let's get <laughs> on to the important bit, which is you, our caller-innerers. 
Hello, Ambridge3962. And first of all, we have Erica, a first-time caller in who thinks Lower Loxley should aim higher. Hello, Dumpty Dumbers, Quentin and Philippa. I'm a long-time Archers listener, but newly listening to this podcast. A query about Freddy. Why is the hapless Freddy the one who will inherit Lower Loxley, while the more business-savvy Lily will not? Why in this day and age is it assumed that only the male heir inherits the family business, specifically when he has the intelligence of a gnat? <laughs> well, she's certainly made an impression, hasn't she, in our first call? Uh, short and sweet. Uh, and uh, hasn't got much time for our, our Freddy. Uh, well, well, welcome, American. I'm delighted. We're delighted that you found us at last. <laughs> he, and uh, you know, a long-time listener as well. Um uh, and welcome to uh, England's arcane hereditary. <laughs> I was going to say laws, but I think it's just like bylaw, really. Um, I don't know the actual answer. Philippa's going to come on now, Erica, and give you the impression she knew the answer. But once again, I'm spilling beans because I think this has been heavily pre-researched by you, Philippa. But I mean, you may know it off the, off, off the top of your head. In my defence, I knew yeah. the joyful gist... And then I yeah. just checked the details. Thank you very much, Mr. Yes. Rayner. Professor, Professor Google came came in handy just before we I'm came on I'm waggling my pencil at you now. So that's, mm. yes. Anyway, yes. So Nigel left the estate, le- left Lower Loxley in trust to Freddie. Um, but Elizabeth had the right to live in it through her lifetime. And Lily doesn't benefit from that, which is why there's all the talk about Freddie eventually having it. And she apparently had other assets. Nigel left her other assets. But I've got to be honest, I cannot recall what what those were. It can't be Russ, surely. You mean he, he left Lily other assets? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> but it is a, it's very arcane, isn't it? Um, it is. It was to done friend. to stop estates being split up and split up, which mm. in some ways you can understand. But the fact that it just automatically goes to the... The male is, um, yes, deeply unfair, especially as if we had to compare which child yeah. is doing the most. Because Lily's going off as well and studying land management. I mean, what? She is. Mm. Mm. No, as a, as a business decision, it's nuts. Absolutely yeah. nuts. I think Freddie's first business decision will be to employ Lily to run the place. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He's got any sense. So that's the answer, Erica. Yeah, it's it's all wrong. Uh but it's it's all to do with estates and all that, keeping stately homes in in families, I guess. I was a bit concerned when Elizabeth said to to Vince, "Oh, he'll learn what he needs to from you." I know yes. we'll have more chats about Vince, but I thought, well, that that doesn't sound very good. Yeah, um, so. we've already mentioned about the bandstand nonsense. I mean, I was screaming, just like, "Bandstand, heaven's sakes, is it that hard?" Uh, and the, and when they were talking about how the Easter Bunny piece in social media had been viewed 400 times. Yeah, you know, yeah. oh my goodness, it's going to be millions. It's 400 times. Okay, that that's a decent amount, but it's not It's not quite as good as they were making out. But equally dumb was Josh. He didn't get it either. I mean, he didn't give it much thought, but he just thought, well, I don't know, and then wanted to talk about hens. But I'm very intrigued by this thing, He's got this competition, this game he's going to run of guess the chicken. I mean, surely the thing with feathers flapping around with a beak is the chicken. It's not going to be that hard. It's the chicken with the hat on, though, isn't it? The woolly hat. 
Spot is spot the chicken. Yeah, but yes, desperate. How is he, he going to? I just don't understand. He's going to have a toilet roll, a kettle, and a chicken with a hat on. You know, guess which is the chicken? It's not. It's yeah. 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 Anyway, there and, we and go. Li- li- live streamed as well. Live streamed <laughs> hen videos. Does Wi-Fi work well in Ambridge? I don't, you know, they don't seem really up to date on current events or what's happening in the world. So I'm not sure. It's it's going to be who's a disaster. And I'm right. I'm there for it. Who's going to stand there and watch a hen video? <laughs> hens rooting around. The hens. They'll, they'll attract the hens. hens there, I guess. Do you think Erica will still be listening to this podcast after this drivel? <laughs> <laughs> no. I've just discovered Dunty Tum. It's a little yeah. nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, from that thank you, fascinating Erica. response. Yes, thank hope, you, Erica. Your call, call was in. great. Yes, sorry. It's just our response was terrible. Um, it was a great call. No, thank you. Do call again. And now we go to Rob, who called on Sunday with a different take on the three R's. Good evening, Philippa, Quentin and Dumpty Dummers all around the world. What's to do about Rory? The plot, like Freddie Pargeter, gets thicker with every episode. Latest rumours include a sugar daddy mummy professor. Well, I've worked in higher education and trust me, a professor needs a sideline to get that sort of money together. And I'm not talking about doing some private A-level tuition. I'm thinking more along the lines of what Professor Brian Cox does. But that is even if he is actually still at university. Alice has started seeing cracks in that facade and for the bacchanalia he has planned to ensure that Brian and Jenny have to move into an even smaller house. He's invited his old schoolmates but none of his uni chums. I think that the party will also be the big reveal for whatever Rory is up to. What he's doing to make his money, how he's getting it all together. The place will be littered with leaflets and application forms. The only question is... Will they be for a dodgy crypto pyramid scheme or will they be for rollicking Rory's rogering service? We shall see. <laughs> yes, OK, <laughs> rollicking Rory's rogering service. That's, those, that'd be a those, great those website. Hours, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I thought Julianne was a male name, actually, when they'd been talking about it earlier on in the week. I, it mm. didn't. I guess it's um, it, it no. Could there's been speculation about that on Twitter. Yeah, that it could be a, and Facebook um, could be Julian. Yeah, but whether Not it's Julian. sugar mummy or sugar daddy, I oh, I just it's a little bit unsavoury, isn't it? Do you do you, do you do you think that's a bit premature? The L word for those two. It's come a bit quick, isn't it? Oh, no, they've been because she supported him when he went into nursing that September. Yeah. And they're already everything has been so overshadowed by Alice and Chris. You forget all the other storylines, don't you? I have to say, it was a blessed relief we didn't have any of, have any of that this week. Alice and Chris, Alice and Chris, mm. free week. Oh. Mm. It's going to be interesting how and if Ben um, conceals it from Beth because she doesn't like any secrets, doesn't she? So if she finds out about that, she it really riles her, doesn't it? Yes, and she's going to. I think she has to be problem. told because she's going to keep on going on about it, isn't she? So the fact she has to, I think she's going to be told. Look, this is who Julianne is. So don't say any more. And I think she can be trusted with it. Yeah, I do. Um, because who did she have a heart to heart with? Lily, didn't she? Lily told her that she had a fling with Soul. Yes. Um, so she's obviously one of these people. People feel. Trust, trusting of to tell them, uh, trusting of to tell her things. Uh, 
So yeah, I think she needs to be told, otherwise uh, she's going to niggle away at Rory, which would be no bad thing. Why is it in these situations that people, particularly in Ambridge, they tell this big secret and then they say, but you can't tell anybody. Whereas normally if you're telling somebody something that you want them to keep themselves, you would start off the conversation. Look, I'm going to tell you this, but I need you to keep it. I don't understand why it's I'm telling you everything. Oh, but you mustn't tell a soul. You haven't you haven't got the the terms and conditions Mm. in the right order. Yeah, I mean, some people, you know, well enough that. You can trust them not to have to introduce that caveat, can't you? Yeah, but it's like telling Ben. I think you can trust Ben, but equally he does need to tell Beth or else it's all going to kick off and then that will be another um, issue in their relationship, you know, the ups and downs. It's not all going to be plain sailing. Yeah. Rory can automatically trust Ben, but he doesn't know Beth as well, does he? So, Mm. yeah. So Mm. you're right. If Beth tells... If Ben tells Beth, God, he's saying ridiculous... (laughs) Then he'll have to give that caveat. But I think she can be trusted to keep a secret, is what we've concluded, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, that was a great call, Rob. Thank you so much. And now we go to Tracy from California, who's in a flap about our flapjacks. All right, Tracy from California here. Okay, this is my prediction and my feedback for my color in a ring today. I think Vince is going to buy the hotel, um, Grey Gables, and have Josh manage it. I hope BL does decide to actually close Barrow and sell it off and the workers buy it and turn it into a co-op and and add an abattoir and make it like crazy huge success. I know that's probably not going to happen, but I wish it would. I will also say I'm sick of Chris and Alice. And why didn't the moderator or the mediator have uh, sense enough to say uh, everything went pear-shaped when Chris started talking about the primary parent like this is 1976. And I don't understand why one of the little old ladies can't call them together and be like, have a flapjack and I'll tell you how to make a marriage last 90 years like it's 1926. <laughs> you know, people used to be married forever back then. And if Rory is so swish, why didn't he rent an Airbnb for his party? He's going to go to his elderly parents' house with their Wedgwood plates on the walls and closets full of sweater vests. <laughs> I think Jennifer's one tachine is going to get broken because somebody on Adderall or Whippets or whatever kids are doing these days is going to break it. Fun fact, in the U.S., a flapjack is a pancake. So all this time, I've been thinking everyone was walking around town eating pancakes with their hands. I was like, that is really inefficient and very strange. I don't ever remember seeing any British people walking around with pancakes, but I didn't get to all areas of the country. So (laughs) maybe it's a Borsetshire thing. I think we would call your flapjack a granola bar, I think. Anyway, happy (laughs) dumpty ding, and uh, I'll look forward to hearing this week's show. Ta-ta. (laughs) <laughs> she's <laughs> she's not pulling our leg is she tracy from california <laughs> well first of all tracy great to hear from you again i thought she disappeared so mm. fantastic to hear mm. you calling tracy um taking the mick out of us brits ta-ta we are funny aren't we and we're parodied well i mean i mean it's just it's just a gift for you philippa it's all about food so let's yes. start on the very important thing here she says uh, a flapjack in the States is really a granola bar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I would Shall we say, excommunicate her now? Well, in a way, it is similar to it, but you need to add approximately three litres of golden syrup to a granola bar 
to reach the consistency of a flapjack. If you put a flapjack in a paper bag and it's not covered in grease and syrup when you take it out, it's not a flapjack right. in my right. book. So, yeah, that that would be mine. But speaking about food as well, can we just discuss cheese, grated cheese in a cheese and pickles? No, I'm sorry. This is crucial stuff. What person would prefer to get grated cheese? First of all, you've got to clean the grater, which is a right faff. And then when you eat it, it's spilling everywhere. You don't get as much. It's not who prefers grated cheese. Is there anybody? Only people, if you're on a budget, you do because you grate it so that it lasts longer. And maybe that's a reflection of where they are. But um, no, grated cheese and a cheese and pickle sandwich. No, no, I'm sorry. No, not here. Not now. Not today. Finished? Finished? Yeah. Yes. Okay, it's got that off your chest. Uh I, I'm 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 a mixed fan. I I think it's um, if you've got grated cheese in a sandwich, it goes everywhere, doesn't it? Which is really annoying. Yeah. But I like grated cheese on pasta. I like grated. Yes, but we're talking about in a sandwich here. I'm just no, no, no. defending grated cheese specifically. Sandwich. Grated cheese on top of soup. I'm all for that. In a sandwich, if it's in if it's in there, it's in there. I, I, I I'm more irritated by the fact it, it spills out. But if I make a sandwich yes. with cheese, I would have, you know, I will have slices of cheese rather than grated. Thank you. Purely for go. convenience. Um, I should point out really <clears throat> what is really irking Philippa is the fact that we have put out a poll on Facebook for the prospective title for this podcast. And uh, you might have guessed the grated cheese suggestion came straight from the mouth of... Philippa. Uh, and the other three were yours. Uh, the other two were mine. Uh, and um, she was pumped up by her overwhelming victory in the last poll, which you did thrash me. Glad to know that uh, mm. my flappy paddles stuffed your grated cheese this week. I think you picked up a paltry 10 votes for grated cheese. Flappy paddles came in with 57 on our last look, so... It's going to be called Flappy Paddles. But I think that's what's really grating you, is the fact that you lost. And I am disappointed in the people of Dum De Dum. I really am. Come on, Grated Cheese would be a much better title no. than Flappy Paddles. I even voted for it myself yeah, when true. I saw the numbers. It was so, so bad. Actually, it's nine like, votes. Oh, come on. It's nine votes, because one of them is yours. <laughs> um, you just thought, yeah, I'd, you, you think I'll you throw won. in a food reference and the Dum De Dumers will just... Would just follow me, but no, they're more discerning than that. You put a flappy, you put a flappy in a title, <laughs> guaranteed winner. Anyway, so it's one all on the title polls, um, and we sort of agreed on grated cheese. Happy, yes. Happy? So there we go. Yes, well, very happy. She did mention a lot of other things apart from the flapjacks. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, she thinks Vincent's going to buy uh, Grey Gables. Well, isn't that what Ardiddle is all about? Presumably he's going to buy the place. I mean, who is this bloody Ardle anyway? It drives me nuts. Can't stand He it. makes me think he's a restaurateur who isn't... If he buys it, he's not buying it for a hotel. He's buying it for the restaurant. And, oh, gosh, look, it's got 30 rooms in addition. I mean, apart from the fact he's a patronising, smarmy tit, um, what really annoys me about Ardle is the fact that he's meant to be Oliver's special guest, Right? Great big deal. We, and a week on, we still haven't had a single scene between Ardell and Oliver. 
which dramatically is it's just a nonsense, isn't it? I thought I think Ardell's quite oh. a nice chap. I don't understand why Freddie's taking everybody it has. He's him. so patronising. He's so patronising to Tracy, isn't he? can't stand the way he talks to her. I think he's just encouraging oh, her. It was no. just the way he did say, thank you so much, you made me the drink mm. the other day. Oh, no, mm. God, he makes my skin creep the way he talks to people. Oh, you but you carried my bags. You? Let me think, let me think. Oh, yes, you're, you're, you're Freddy, aren't you? But he's being nice. Oliver needs There's more traces from it. But he's just so patronising the way he says it. Oh, God, no. Seriously, have a chocolate biscuit. I think you've, you've, you've lost the plot. <laughs> <laughs> you like yeah, Ardler? I've got no problem with. Yeah, I think he's fine with his electric car and and his um, AirPods <sighs> and watch that needs charging mm. and yeah, there's. I don't understand why Jazza and Freddie have both taken again. Well, the fact that Jazza has should speak volumes. He's, he's a fine judge of character, Jazza. <laughs> and oh, oh could, could you get? Uh, I need some more uh, sockets. Could you get me an extension lead? Yes, where would you like me to plug in your devices? Says Tracy, all fawny, fawny. <laughs> but I did think when she was tidying up, oh, I'm just tidying up, it's what I like to do. I was expecting her to say, hang on, what's this piece of paper? You know, either I'm going to take over Grey Gables or I am Oliver's long-lost child or, mm. you know, some, or some revelation. I, I thought you were called Ardell. I didn't know you were called Julian. That's my theory as well. Oh, great! I can see your reaction. It's going through various permutations of startlement. Yeah, she's pulling a face, folks. <laughs> Looking at the ceiling. I'm. It doesn't strike me as the top, but I like mm. it. It's a good idea. Anyway, Tracy, a great call. Thank you ever so much. And now we go to Catherine in Canterbury, a first-time caller in her on why certain old habits drive her round the bend. Hi, I'm Catherine in Canterbury. So I wanted to comment on Jill and Leonard's speedy spins around the racetrack. It was such a happy, feel-good, life-affirming scene, and it really made me smile. I had an image of Jill in a crash helmet, gripping tight with white knuckles and asking to go round one more time and sharing her sort of excitement with Leonard. Um, it was really delightful, and partly because it was obviously an unexpected activity for two pensioners to be involved in. And so that made me reflect on how we are really preconditioned not to associate elderly characters with positively taking on challenges just for the thrill of it. I wonder if some listeners felt the episode was a bit cringy because it was too obviously trying to be anti-ageist and virtual signalling, but I disagree. And I wanted to congratulate the scriptwriters for choosing to positively depict Jill, who is obviously a great-grandmother, in such a non-stereotypical way. I run a housing charity for elderly people, so I'm really aware of how perceptions are slowly beginning to change, but it is a slow shift away from ageist attitudes and age discrimination, and it always needs challenging. In the same way as road signs that depicted old people crossing used images of stooping couples with walking sticks, I'm always in favour of storylines for pensioners being consciously age-positive and by the way, Jill and Ben's wonderful relationship, and I think that's been so cleverly developed as authentic and realistic when cross-generational love like that is so rarely highlighted. And don't you think Ben gets so much out of his relationship with his gran precisely because he doesn't treat her like an old biddy? Anyway, thanks for a great show. All the gossip makes my regular Archers listening even more enjoyable, and I'll definitely stay tuned. Thank you. 
And thank you, Catherine. That was a great first call. Well done. Do call in again. Yeah, it's interesting how age is perceived in Ambridge. I think I do think it's dealt with differently in Ambridge than we see in other places because as far as I'm aware, Christine is the only one at the moment who is in well she's she's sort of in the in an apartment by the care home. She's not actually in the home itself, is she? Is she? Everyone else just keeps going until yeah. until they they don't. We've had the until dementia they, story, but but that was mm, some years ago. Until they keel over in the bull. Yeah. Yes. And, mm. it, and the, the, the longevity is phenomenal in Ambridge. I mean, in terms of the actors alone. <laughs> I mean, the ca- the characters' yeah. ages pretty much reflect the actors' ages, don't they? Yes. Exactly. They do carry on usually until they're. Mm they're not around anymore and so it does give lots more opportunities for exploring their characters and the relationships i think Catherine's right the relationship between ben and jill is is lovely um i just didn't understand why leonard was already filling forms in and attending a safety demonstration when he was just going along to watch that's not an age thing that's just a what are you doing you're not even allowed through that door uh but uh no that's bravo, bravo, uh, Catherine. The, the scene, well, the whole episode lifted Catherine's spirits. And welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Excellent uh, debut. Um, and I have to say, Catherine's call lifted my spirits, actually, because I was a bit sort of, oh, it's going to be one of these episodes. OK, right. In fact, I put my pen down. I thought, it's not much to write here. Um, but listening to Catherine um, being so enthusiastic about it, made me look at it in a different way and I'm glad you have Catherine and what you say is true actually um yeah it was all a bit some people say as you said virtue virtue signaling but it was life affirming and it was delightful it was nicely done it was nicely done and it's particularly interesting when you are t- and I like calls like this when we have somebody coming at it with expertise and you run a housing charity for the elderly as you said and you say we need more of this and you're quite right i mean why should age be a barrier and leonard clearly is an extremely good driver and chill likes to have an adrenaline rush and why not and um you're quite right i remember as a kid seeing those road signs with those stooping couples the side of the road i was thinking god is that where you end up with it is that, is that how you end up when you're old i used to they used to they really depress me that triangle sign um and these days, it should be a sign of an elderly couple doing the Zumba or something, shouldn't they? <laughs> um, but that is endemic. <laughs> yes, we, you have to sort of throw away those old stereotypes. And I'm, I'm a great believer that if you uh, are young at heart, then you stay younger for longer, I'm sure. And um, why, why shouldn't they enjoy themselves? And uh, oh, Jill was giddy with excitement, wasn't it? It was rather sweet. And also, it wasn't Chris and Alice. <laughs> I would have taken anything to yes. have a break from that. So if it had to be a supercar day, so be it. But um, And that point you made, that Ben doesn't treat Jill as an old biddy. He enjoys her friendship mm-hmm. and her wisdom and her nurturing is nice as well. And you're quite right. It isn't just a grandma and grandson dynamic. There's more to it. He gets a lot out of that relationship and she does too. And she picked up very early on that he was nervous. So, yeah. Thank you, Catherine, because it made me look at that differently. 
I like the scene when Ben was first in the car and pulling his seat forward and the instructor said, that's far enough. I felt like Ben's nose was sort of pressed <laughs> against the windscreen. You so do see some drivers powerful. like that, and I'm not making a sexist comedy, but it tends to be winning drivers. And they are absolutely, like, next to the wheel, aren't they? There's no get. <laughs> I'm not think... getting that. There are some drivers, whether they're male or female. That I, might I do did qualify that. I did qualify mm. that, but it tends. Yeah, to Yeah, but be then you a... still said it. <laughs> I did because that's it's it's true. They, I look at these drivers and I'm thinking, how could you be so close to the wheel? If the airbag goes off, you got no hope. But also, it's it's so uncomfortable. Um, it's like they've, people feel if they're close to the wheel, they're safer, more in control. <laughs> Um, well, right. I'll wait the emails, but there you go. It's one of life. Yes, there you go. If if you want to complain about that sexist comment, you just head straight over. It's not to... sexist. It is just an observation. <laughs> if it was men on the whole, I'd say it was men. God, you can't say a damn uh, thing these days, can you? That tiara's gone to your head. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine, for your call. Now, don't forget the next week, Q is off on his world tour. So I have Natasha Archer, Mally Harris joining me. I'm so excited to talk to her. Please do get your calls in now. Uh, you can ask questions for her. And of course, your usual calls about the week in Ambridge. Please start getting those in. And if you're wondering how to do it, here's how. Yes, the easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to speakpipe.com slash dumptydum. Don't forget the T in the middle, so it's dumptydum. And you'll also find a link in the show notes. Have a look at our pinned tweet as well on the Dumpty Dum Twitter account. You'll find all the details of how to leave us a message there. We do need your calls in by 12 noon on a Saturday. Yes, it's Saturday for the moment for the next few weeks. It will be lunchtime on Saturday for the deadline. So put that in your diaries, please. And please keep them to a maximum of two minutes. And bear in mind, you need to be at least 18 to take part. And back to our calls. Peddling our way next is Christine. And she's not convinced by Vince. Hello, Philippa, Quentin and all fellow dum-de-dummers. This is not so much formally cycling, Christine, here, as I've just been out for a beautiful bike ride around Worcester in lovely, sunny England. On to the archers. I wanted to talk about Rory and Quentin's observations last week about Rory having changed his character. And I think that's entirely plausible. Prior to the Alice outburst, his view of the world would have been that Jenny and the rest of the family had taken him in and despite the circumstances, they'd loved him. He'd grown up to feel that they loved him. And so fundamentally, he would have felt that at heart, people were generous and kind and loving. And with her outburst in one fell swoop, Alice has destroyed all that because he now doubts whether people are kind and generous at heart or whether they're just pretending to be. And I think this will colour him throughout the rest of his life. And I still think he's going to be the long-term baddie in the series. One other thing I'd like to say is I think the him having a sugar mummy is just a, feels a very lazy storyline to me. And what on earth is all this with Vince offering to lend David money at cheap rates? It just seems ridiculous and doesn't ring true at all to the Vince that we were presented with in the early days. I just don't buy it. And if he's undergone that much of a personality change, I just don't believe it. Anyway, hope you're all having a lovely time. Bye. 
and bye to you, Christine. I'm, I'm glad you you are, are back on back on your bike, cycling around lovely Worcester. Sounds sounds super. Um, right, okay. Lots in lots in Christine's call. Um, we haven't really spoken about sugar mummies, have we? And Vince. So I think we will start there, Philippa. Uh, we all thought he. Many of us thought anyway that he was up to no good um, in terms of selling sexual favours and um, he denies it, it's just companionship but um, I don't think any of us believe it. I'm sure Julianne or Julian, whoever Julianne is, will be expecting more bung for their buck, so to speak. Careful I put a B in there. And <laughs> um, <laughs> it's all rather... I, I'm surprised. I just think uh, I've always thought Rory was smart, and I can't believe he's being so dumb. That and naive. I know he's at, what nineteen twenty. He could be excused, but he's always shown a bit of um, brightness about him, and he just seems to be completely taken in by this idea that uh, he can earn e easy money this way, and he won't get hurt. Um, I fear that he. Why? What's wrong with that? Why is he? Why is he dumb to do that? Surely that's a clever move. Yeah, but he's I mean, not he's, harming might, anybody. I just think it's going to get nasty. Is what I'm saying. I think it's it's a dangerous area to uh, um, try and earn extra money. But you don't. Interesting. Go. Yeah, I think no. Good for him. He's not. Um, he's not doing anything dangerous. He's earning some money. He's yes. providing companionship to someone. Um, why not? It's free world. Think... I'm not judging. I yeah. don't judge, you see. Never. You're an archer's listener. Of course you judge. <laughs> um, I'm just worried he's going to get hurt. I, I think uh, the potential for exploitation is there. Don't you? I think he's canny enough not to. Um, I think I'm more worried about be, yeah. Alice finding this party and reporting it back to mummy and daddy and it, and it all no. kicking off there. But I think Go he's being naive. All right. He's had enough to cope with, so yes, I'm I'm okay, okay with so, that. So, Let's talk about Vince though. Sell sell your soul and sell your body. Yeah, you're okay with that. No, I'm not saying sell his body. I'm just saying Well he is. He isn't. You don't know that. You, you don't think he's gonna be you've... asked for that? No, and it's up to him. He can say yes or no. He's a strong enough person to say no. So, if, he's, if he's asked and he says yes, that's that's you're selling your body, aren't you? Well, that's that's up to him if he's if that's what okay. he wants to do. Anyway, you want to get on to um, to <laughs> Vince to Vince. <laughs> yes. What do you want to say about Vince? I want to say about Vince that I think he is playing them like a pack of cards. He was deliberately saying all these things that would tweak Ruth and David's heartstrings. Mm. He played everything that he could. And then at the right moment, he's a salesman. And at the right moment, he said, oh, I, I just need to go to the toilet. No, he didn't. He was just giving them time. And then he was lingering. He was waiting for the right moment to step back in. So only when, was it Ruth said, do you think he, we can get him? It, does, do you think the offer still stands? And he was he was back in the room. He played them. He is looking to launder money yes, he is looking yes. yeah there's yeah, he's, yeah that was my thought he's dodgy and i love it i love he, it he needs to shift this 40 grand doesn't he yes exactly yeah i thought money laundering as well i did yeah uh he says oh 
Uh, he, he says, I, I don't want you thinking I've got some secret plan. Oh, yeah. Mm. We, we, we do. do. We do. <laughs> we want it. Uh, and, uh, and then slightly confused me when he said, uh, I, I didn't know you from Adam. <laughs> oh, God, don't bring him into it as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, he, he did. He, he played this song. I know what I'm like, and I know how I come across. I'm a bit of a chancer, but you know, you've got something really real here, and I want to invest in something that means something. Blah blah blah. So yeah, because he, he, if, he pressed if, all the buttons. If you remember that scene when he went out for a meal with Beth and Ben, he could clearly see how much Ben meant to Beth, and yet he still played this awful card about how he was having an allergic reaction and how an ambulance had to be called. He he He's not soft, I don't think. Um, no, but I think he genuinely likes Ben and thinks he's good for Beth because he described the other guy as, as a plonker, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. But, yes, but he, he pushed it okay. too far, so he, he's not yeah. loyal. In his defence, can I bring in Bernadette... Cagnoni off our Facebook group. She came up with an interesting theory. She says, Am I so naive? I took it at face value. I'd like to think it's genuine, the, the offer of the loan. Front row on Radio 4, straight after the Archers, had a feature highlighting belligerent generosity. It seemed a very poignant juxtaposition to what... To which Audrey Brown replied, belligerent generosity. Never heard the phrase before, but I know exactly what it means because I know people who do this. Interesting. Belligerent generosity. In other words, you must accept my gift. You must have it. I want, you to, I want to help you. And I'm, I've come across people like that, but that's normally when they've gone through some maybe tragedy when they were a child, something like that, that turns them into an extreme people pleaser. And Vince doesn't mm. strike me as that. But he wants to be liked, I think, by the Archers, by Elizabeth's family. Mm. Um. Just one other th reference to Rory and Julianne uh, on Twitter. Les Archers at Leslie Two said, "Oh dear, is Julianne the same age Siobhan would have been? What would Freud say?" Well, speaking of that, we yes. need to say thank you, Christine, for your fabulous call. Lovely to hear that you're cycling again, and we need to head immediately. With a spoon, <laughs> with a sugar coated call on the mother of all issues. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Philippa Quentin and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's with Spoon and Angus Haggis here. Happy Easter and Passover weekend to everyone. By the time you're listening to this, the Easter Bunny will have been unmasked and will know their identity. I really have no strong feeling about who it is, but I'm hopping, I mean hoping, it's Joy. It would be a fun welcome back to the storyline for her. Though I don't understand why Freddie thinks the success of the egg rolling event depends on the appearance of the mystery rabbit. It doesn't say much for his planning skills. Speaking of unmasking, to no Dumpty Dummer's surprise, we learn that Rory has been earning some free perks on the side. At least it seems that he has remained in university. Now, some people, I believe including our hosts, may have been surprised that Rory's older friend was a woman. I, for one, was not. First, I do think his relationship with her is non-sexual. Second, I think Rory's sexual appetite is more strongly oriented to men. 
There's a long history of gay men being the escort with a small e of rich older women. Most importantly, we all know Rory's developmental history of losing his mother at a very young age. Julianne, being 20 years older than Rory, is serving as a replacement maternal figure for Siobhan. I think I know what you're now asking. What about Jenny, darling? I know Rory is close with Jennifer, but I never got the feeling that she was a maternal figure to him, more of a close friend or aunt. So all this leaves lots of room for Rory to have a boyfriend as well. I know I suggested on Facebook that Adil Shah, a.k.a. Dial Hash, was Rory's drug-dealing boyfriend, but I was just joking. I do think some cool uni student has caught or will catch Rory's eye. Talk to you soon. Yes, Witherspoon, absolutely agree with all of this. And so interesting to have your perspective on it. Um, yeah, maybe, I, I, well, I don't know. I just, I agree with you. I think... I think Rory isn't doing anything untoward with Julianne and as I said earlier good for him I'm not I'm not judging him for once in my life I'm not going to judge who is the Easter bunny actually I'm now wondering it wondering is it Ardil because he was bought in when everything was going so badly at Grey Gables so is this an initiative to get everybody there on the last day but can nobody type the name Ardil Shah into Google to find out what this person is. Well, I don't understand why they're not doing that. <clears throat> well, it's, it's that dodgy Wi-Fi again, isn't it, around Ambridge? <laughs> Are we going to get the hen videos? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I take uh, Witherspoon's point um, that that is a very common uh, sight, isn't it? Uh, older women being um, escorted by younger gay men. You know, it's been going on for for. for Years and years. Um, we haven't established who Julianne is yet, um, male or female. So uh, if it's a man, then I'd like to hear what Witherspoon would say about that as well. Interesting. Although he thinks there's scope for him to meet somebody cool at university, a boyfriend. So uh, he'll be sort of sorted on both sides of that uh, argument. Um, but yes, I mean... W- what, I mean, what does Witherspoon know about psychology anyway, uh, Philip? Uh, <laughs> Quite a lot. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> so he's probably right. He's probably, damn it. Yeah. Um, he mentioned, uh, he seems convinced that Rory is at university. I have my doubts. Not one university guest has been invited to this secret party. That was a bit odd. I think no he's one. at university. He mentioned about this, the professor who brings in the cream cakes. Um, I just think... Yeah, but when he was pressed by Alice, he's he... Gonna, when he was pressed by Alice the other week, he was very shifty. and I think he's there nominally. I don't think he's there much of the time myself. Uh, and um, I love that anagram, dial hash. <laughs> that, would, that, would have, that would have been great if that was the case. Um, so, yeah, we... we, we, we um, oh, and the point about if it is Julianne... Um, providing a maternal influence, which dovetails beautifully in with Les Archer's tweet, doesn't it? We have a Freudian yes. couch for you here, folks. That's what we have. But thank goodness for all that we've got Witherspoon with all the information there. That was just what we needed. Thank you, Witherspoon. And next, it's Night Owl Emily. And what's been grating with her in Ambridge? Hello, P&Q and all my fellow subjects in the kingdom of Dumpty Dum. It's Emily from Canada calling. 
it's just nearly 1 a.m. in Vancouver, which makes it nearly 8 a.m. in the UK. Uh, I am sporting my usual middle-of-the-night gravelly voice for your entertainment. I've just been enjoying the view of the nearly full moon and thinking about how we all see that same moon, and it just makes our community feel like we're in a world that's a little bit smaller. Okay, last week, Freddie wins the most annoying character prize, in my mind, because he's whiny, he's petulant, and he's selfish, and a moron when it came to that Easter Bunny clue. Drove myself and many people bonkers uh, <laughs> how slow he was to to get the answer, and I don't know. It was just super irritating. Then there's the question of Vince's loan and whether or not it's safe. What if he and Elizabeth break up? Will he go back to being cutthroat, Vince? Rory and this sugar baby thing, something not right with that. I can't think of any reason why Ben would have to keep it so secret. Um, and will that lead to him lying to Beth again? Then there's the great grated cheese dumpty dum debate. After Tracy said she likes grated cheese on her cheese and pickle sarnies, uh, <laughs> Lots of people had something to say about grated cheese on sandwiches, and it was quite an entertaining debate. Um, I suggested test kitchens so that we could decide on our favorite Sarnies. Bye. Bye, Emily. Uh, it's another one wearing a tiara, isn't she? Isn't she? <laughs> Queen of Dumpty Dum. Um, 1am, Emily. Come on, you must get some sleep. Thank you for your dedication for phoning in. We've had the grated cheese debate already, haven't we, uh, Philippa? Unless you've got anything more to add to this. Um, what I particularly more about the call is I love it when you hear North Americans using very British words like bonkers and sarnies. <laughs> um, <laughs> makes them more amusing, I think. Freddie, the most irritating character of the week. Well, he often wins that prize, doesn't he? The thing about Freddie is that I, I thought he was growing up, and he's 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 had a relapse, hasn't he, in the last few weeks? He's gone. He's become a kid again. Uh, I thought, we, you know, that those scenes with him and Linda after the explosion, and when he came out of prison, he'd uh, matured. I thought and had uh, grown up a bit, but the way he sort of got all giddy about chasing an Easter bunny. It was pathetic. Pathetic. Well, he's just desperate for it to work. He's desperate to prove to his mother that he's a success. He's All right, we're back so to Freud. Keen. Okay, right. Yeah. Do you take my point? He's, he, has, he has regressed. Well, I think compared to how he was, he has matured, but we've still got a long way to go for any maturity to reach you know, normal mature levels, because we're talking about Freddie here. Yes, there were the scenes after the fire, but that, uh, it didn't, I don't think it, I saw him mature. He was just doing, being honourable and, and being Freddie. So I'm Well, the very I'm fact he went in there to, 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 to rescue Linda was Yeah, but that's Freddie enough. is good intentioned. He's not, he's not selfish. He tries to do things for people. 
Sure, and then he wanted to, to direct, didn't he? And he was encouraged by Linda. And I just thought, oh, yeah, coming on, Freddie. Yeah, you're, you're, less, you're less irritating. This week, he's been really irritating. Freddie was not for me. I hear what Emily's saying, I understand. But for me, Freddie wasn't the most annoying character this week. It was Ruth and David. <gasps> they were so irritating. Too big a risk, says Ruth. And then the minute Vince has said it's a good idea, she's saying to David, oh, have you seen those numbers? And have you seen how good they are? Mm. Originally, she told Josh not even to mention it to David, that, you know, no consultation, the, the mind's made up. Um it, it really and struck it, home this week how, because I haven't really clocked it as much as you have over the past, but the, the, the way they keep repressing Josh's enthusiasm and his ideas, it was I was really cross about it this week. Cause Thank you. Yeah. Josh was talking a lot of sense, and you know Vince as a businessman, he could see the sense, and he complimented him, saying he's got a real business head on his shoulders, that one. And um, I was just furious the way that she was just like dismissive. But as soon as, as you say, Vince comes and says, oh, I can't understand why you're saying no. Suddenly it becomes a good idea when their son is presenting it to them. And she said she'd run all the assumptions. Well, she hadn't. She hadn't run the power costs going up, which they absolutely mm. are. And her little ears pricked up when he said, Josh said, well, it would pay for itself in eight years. Eight years? Yeah. And 40 grand. Well, she was more interested in the peeler. Yes, put the peeler down. I like that line. Put the peeler down. Um, but 40 grand in the scheme of things on a farm is not a lot. No. You could spend double that Especially on Especially if it's going to save them. Yes. Yeah. Madness. I thought that the amount uh, needed to be higher to make it more of a gamble for that reason. But I didn't but like they've the never... way... They've never said any f yes to any investment that Josh has proposed. No. If Pip said it, I'm sure they'd be jumping for joy. But anyway, thank you, Emily. That was a great call. Those are all the calls. But you can also send us an email if you'd prefer. Yes, if you'd rather send an email, visit the dumptydum.com website and click the Contact Us tab at the top of the page. Please do keep them brief, up to a maximum of 250 words. Now, like the calls, please get your emails in by 12 noon on a Saturday for the next three weeks. Remember, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And so we go from our caller inners to our email inners. And our first email is from Chris in York. Hello, I wonder what has happened to the herbal lays now that Adam has gone off to the ninth circle at Bridge Farm. They used to be all the fashion. Do they self-maintain like unwashed hair and after a year or so? Or have they disappeared under layers of Stella's excess hay and slurry? Perhaps Brian has concreted over them to make a helipad for Justin's visits. Chris from York. And then he tags on this uh, PS. I too wish the solicitors in Borsetshire were more dynamic and said, God damn it, a lot like their American cousins on TV. Instead, I bet they lurk in their offices drinking tea and eating chocolate hobnobs, except in Lent when they have given up chocolate and hiding from their clients whilst texting podcasts and thinking about their allotment, which needs some attention. Pure guesswork, of course. Chris from York. Is it guesswork, Chris? I'd never guess, would you? <laughs> yeah, That's great. brilliant. Well, he's picking up on your uh, suits desire, aren't you? We've got Roshi, you know, we, we yeah, want suits. Yes, exactly. I love that. That made me chuckle uh, a lot. Yes, we haven't heard about the herbal lays at all, have we? I... I presume that they were not sustainable <laughs> and uh, that Stella has yes well removed them. it means no lays no Adam so there's always a benefit isn't there so um <laughs> although he's been very cheerful hasn't he he's been a, ever since he's done honest work at Bridge Farm he's been a changed man well who knows we haven't heard from him for a while it might might not last long but Chris from York that was great that made me laugh a lot and Thank now you. Yes. Prepare yourself, Quentin. Our second email is from Anon of Ambridge. I'd never have guessed. Never. (laughs) Dear Uncle Quentin and Auntie Philippa, I was having a lovely quiet time relaxing by the bandstand and suddenly there were millions of people shouting and a six-foot rabbit bouncing around. Sometimes I just want peace, but if the bandstand isn't the right place, where is? Thank you, Anon of Ambridge. Well, Anon, I'm sorry that you're needing a bit of peace and quiet because last time you were needing some companionship. So I dread to think what's happened that you now need to be on your own. It sounds like Lower Loxley is um, quite quiet at the moment, or it's bound to be because Freddie's plan isn't going to work. It's going to be a disaster. Nobody's going to turn up. Um, so that might be the quietest place to go to at Easter and, and you might have a chance of guessing the chicken. <laughs> You resold that, didn't you? <laughs> Guess the chicken. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, yeah. dear Anon of Ambridge. First of all, I'm a bit fed up, actually, uh, Philip. I went to great lengths last week, didn't I, to give Anon of Ambridge what I thought was an incredibly witty response to his cricket query about uh, catching practice with an egg. Um, not, not even, not even a sort of, well, thanks, thanks for that in-depth witty riposte Quentin but anyway I'll, I'll, I'll let that one go where should you go for somewhere quiet in Ambridge well I think uh, you could also go to Grey Gables because clearly that's struggling Ian is moaning about only having three covers so that seems pretty quiet 
although mm. he might get disturbed by Ardle who's poking his nose in everywhere. Go for a walk in the on the rewilding site. Be nice and quiet, wouldn't it? Rewilding. Um, so that's my other suggestion. My third suggestion is if you can find the cell where they've locked in all the silent characters, that's probably your best bet. Those, those are my options. I think it's going to be quite a loud, busy week in Ambridge and on. I do have to warn you because we've got the unveiling of the Easter Bunny. We've got Liz's secret party where she's going to get given a book token. And we've got Rory's secret party where, mm. well, I don't know what secret gift he's going to be given. But anyway, so, yes, be, you, be careful where you go. Do you think Anon's going to get an invite to Rory's secret party? I've got to be honest. Anon, as much as I care about you, mm. no. I, I don't think so. I think that's going to be next week's email, isn't it? Dear Auntie, <laughs> Philippa and Uncle Quentin, why was I left on my own? Why did I not get... Yes, but next week it's off? Natasha. Anon, if, if you feel oh, like great. you need a week off, yeah, if no, you feel like no, you need no, a week right off, next Natasha. week is the week, because Quentin's not going to be there. Natasha is not... Malia's not going to know what is going on <laughs> yes. if you start asking questions. <laughs> and she may log off immediately. So Anon, you sound a bit tired and weary. Just have a rest, I beg you. She's going to say, what the hell is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's going to say that anyway, especially if she listens this week to see what... Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, thank you for your calls and emails. We love them. Do keep calling in. Now, on to Dumpty Book Dump. You are aware I host the Quick Book Reviews podcast. Well, I was interviewing Stuart Lawrence, should I say the Honourable Stuart Lawrence, about his inspirational book. Stuart is, of course, the brother of Stephen Lawrence, who was murdered 29 years ago in a racially motivated attack. And the anniversary of that is the 22nd of April. So it seemed only fitting to have Stuart on Dumpty Dum today. So Stuart Lawrence, whose book, whose amazing book is called Silence is Not an Option. Welcome to Dum De Dum. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Well, let's let's talk about the archers first and then we will talk about your book and all the significance behind it. Because we've got a lot to talk about in a short amount of time. You have some experience of hearing the archers, even if it hasn't been you that's chosen to press play. <laughs> Yes, definitely. It's my, one of my mum's uh, go-to things to do, uh, and especially when I'm around her house, she has a little DAB radio on as loud as she can while she walks around the house listening to it. So, yeah, she's a massive fan. <laughs> and so do you know not to call her when the arches is on? Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's why she doesn't answer the phone sometimes to me. Maybe I've now found out the reason why. Well, as I say, she, it's on as loud as she can possibly have it when I'm around the house. So she, I think she's trying to indoctrinate us all into listening, including the grandkids as well. So let's talk about your book because there's a real reason for this book coming out and coming out now. Because, uh, well, y you tell the story. Well, uh, it, the book was written during lockdown and. Um, one of the things that I've realised since post-lockdown is about the mental health of our young children and how these last two years of them being locked away or told to be doing certain things that they don't usually do has really affected them. And as my background as a school teacher, I quickly realised that this was going to be a long-term recovery process as well for the young people. And I really hope that the book can be part of that recovery process to, to allow young people to understand that we all have fears and, and issues in our own lives and we all have sometimes have that negative voice inside our head that tells us we can't do things and 
that's what I'm trying to hit at with the kids to try and centralize that new, that, that voice, trying to work out why it's saying those negative things and then try to turn those negative things into a positive and try and make sure they have the best version of their lives as possible. And personally, I think it's not just a book for kids, it's for adults as well. I find it really useful because it it's, I mean, it's not overly simple, but it's simple enough for you to just to really get to the meat of it. Yeah. What I say to people is, is um, we are all a child trapped in an adult's body, aren't we, really? And we, we all have that point in our lives where we say that was a significant point and that then sort of scar, or it doesn't say, say scar us, but marks us in our life to say, from that point onwards, that's the point that you're going to remember. So mine's 16, obviously, because of when Stephen died. But so I'm a 16-year-old trapped in this adult's body and, and I hope that the book will talk to that young person inside you. And I say to people all the time, it either gives them a hug and says, you know, congratulations, you're doing great stuff, continue. But sometimes that little person, his little kick up the bum sometimes, says, come on, come on keep going, like, and re-energised and re-motivated. And hopefully the book can do that as well. And of course, we're coming up to Stephen Lawrence Day, the 22nd of April. And this year, again, because some schools will be on holiday this year, it's... it's, it's that's the only problem with Stephen Lawrence Day during, during the Easter month, because Easter always moves. It's a bit difficult at times, but we're really glad that you know, lots of schools will be taking part either before the Easter holidays or after the Easter holidays. And it's just a great way for schools to celebrate all the good work that they're doing and that they do to champion young people, to ensure that young people have the best outcomes in life as well. Wonderful. And what, what more could we hope for for that? So Stuart Lawrence, whose book Silence is Not an Option, Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Well, how splendid to, to hear from, from Stuart and uh, about his book as well. It's hard to believe, isn't it? It's 29 years already. Um, I know. I know. Um, and it's it's still raw, isn't it? It still is uh, mm. such a such a current issue. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> there's so many, so many other things to sort out as a result of that terrible case. Um, yeah. But I also like the fact. But that hopefully the day can um, give um, some positivity. You know, looking forward, not just looking back. Yes, celebrating Stephen's yeah. life, but also helping children yeah. today now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love the fact that uh, once again, it's all down to the mum, isn't it? That's how people <laughs> get to listen to the arches. Without the mums, there'd be no arches. <laughs> And there are other people listening to the archers because we need to go to Facebook because we have to say a how do to you to Wendy and Susie, Mike and Claire, Anne and Andy, John, Paul and Marcus. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for the roundup with our Sandra. Hello. This is Sandra with a selection from the Facebook group for the week beginning Sunday the 10th of April. Apologies if I sound a bit odd sometimes, but I have a throaty hangover from the virus. After two virus-free years, I managed to travel over 5,000 miles to catch it. Oh dear, Rory, group members are having a laugh at your expense. It all started on Sunday with a missed call from Julianne. There was some debate about the call and Katrina Murray, among others, thought it was to do with drug dealing. Drew Hamilton was on the right track when he thought that Julianne was a sugar mama or a pimp and others had the same idea. Kate Lyle thinks that Rory's sugar mummy is a man. 
Leslie Southgate and others didn't think it actually mattered. However, others remembered that he had been open about his sexuality, so he wouldn't need to cover it up. On to a day at the races. I thought Tuesday's episode was quite sweet. But of course, not everyone did. Mia Fox described it as B-O-R-I-N-G, all capitalised. I enjoyed it, and Darcy Jorgensen thought it was charming. Jonah Titchmarsh described it as an episode where you really get to know characters, and Lynn Rafferty thought the same. Glyn Fullerlove thought it might be building up to Jaws exit from the show. Hmm, I hope not. Lillian McCarthy saw it as a relief from the Aldridge Carter Donovan drama. However, Laura Jackson was listening and wondering when the car was going to crash and who would be either terribly injured or killed. <laughs> I thought the episode was quite warm and fuzzy. Which brings me on to Vince and Brookfield. Lucy Mellon thought that he might be a really nice person with a lot of money who wants to do some good with it. Jill Bowles pointed out that investing is what some people do. It's better than having money just sitting in the bank. However, many disagreed, including Darcy Jorgensen, who suggested money laundering. And, of course, some thought that it linked to Beth. That's Ben's girlfriend, Beth, not Bess, his dog. Joan Dines Reynolds could see Beth signing up for agricultural college and staying within the farming community. That's an interesting idea. Anyway, that's my three minutes up for now. Bye until next time. Thank you, Sandra. Do hope you're feeling better soon. My goodness, our social media team, the Heat, seem to be suffering from COVID when it's their turn to do the roundup. Well, they, they've battled through, haven't they? Um, yes. It, it, the, the race day left her warm and fuzzy. Um, and I do need to mention this very clever tweet to do with the race day, which Stephen Bowden at Wenlock House put out uh, means you haven't won a medal this week Stephen. at least you get a mention he said if philip had invested in gray gables alongside oliver they could have called their partnership sterling moss it is yes well done i'm just it's just a it, it took about 10 seconds to <laughs> register with you there <laughs> philippa and I, if I can continue with the Sterling Moss theme, is that I did tweet about this, is um, I, as a schoolboy, got to be driven round Goodwood Racetrack by Sterling Moss. There we go. It's an amazing experience. Um, I, uh, it was a brand new Rover. Back in, it was in the 70s. People might remember the new Rover. And um, got to be in the car with him. I was in the back, in the back, and he started driving around Goodwood and... After about 10 seconds, I was left in the footwell <laughs> on the passenger side of this rover. So I was crouched, looking between the seats, watching Sterling Moss driving. We had no seatbelts, nothing. <laughs> How did we survive in those days? So I just watched this incredible man driving wow. this car. And he just laid back. And he was effectively driving it, steering it with one finger and just flicking the gears and just chucking wow. this car around. How did you get selected for that? Were you kidnapped or was it by choice? The man who uh, had organised this race day, we happened to be school friends with his son. So it's who you know, isn't it? But uh, So we're three of us in the car with with Mm. Sterling Moss. 
but uh, I, I got a fantastic view of his technique, albeit <laughs> stuck in the footwell, yeah, in the back. Honestly, I was just hurled straight into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, These survived, days, though, we'd be strapped goodness. in with special suits and special belts yeah. and <laughs> crash helmets. Yeah, no, and a helmet. No. 1970s, yeah, what do you expect? Yeah. Not, yeah. no. <laughs> well, thank you, Sandra, and to everyone on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. Yeah. Um, of course, you'll also find us on Twitter at Dumpty Dum. Please try and include the Archers hashtag, it's all one word, using a capital T and a. It's so the visually impaired can also enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Also, don't forget that hashtag, the Archers, is your gateway to the hugely enjoyable tweet-along. It's also worth including at Dumpty Dum in your tweet. That way, more people get to hear about this podcast. As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at QuickBook Review with a three instead of a W. And I'm at 13 Minute Man. That's one three Minute Man. Hello, it's Fry here. No, not that one. And now, on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. Now, Philippa, if I had four medals to give out, I would give a fourth to, to this one uh, from Ian Kernow at uh, Kernow27. Uh, Larry McLamington, I think, would be best Beth. That's what's the name he suggested. <laughs> so if I, if I had a tin medal, you'd get that. <laughs> but I only have three to give out. And in bronze position, it comes in from Nick at Check Your Sheds. Stop making Josh be right. It's upsetting. <laughs> for the first time, I was upset for Josh. I know. I feel your pain there, Nick. I feel your pain. In silver, it's a smutty one, Philippa, so uh, cover your ears. Mm. Uh, it comes from Miss Filth. She's putting out some filthy tweets. It's uh, She's calling herself Dame Rosie Porty at the moment. Porty Rosie, good friend of this podcast. And uh, too much Nigel in him. Never a problem for you, Elizabeth. Oh, Rosie Porty. <laughs> Honestly. Tell you, it's filth. Gets you a silver, though. She knows which buttons for mine to press. Uh, but in gold, and it came in today during this morning's tweet along, it uh, come from one of my favourite tweeters. It's Sam, at underscore Sam Dean with an E, and she says, for gold, the cravat doesn't fall too far from the Aldridge tree, does it? Lovely. <laughs> so Sam, That's, that wins yeah, you a gold. Congratulations to all our medalists. And don't forget we're on Instagram at dumdydum. Do follow us there. Thanks, as ever, to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for our voices, and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. So what will happen next week? Will the Easter Bunny have to hire security for their big reveal? Will Jill propose building an extension to Brookfield to include a full racing track, pit lane and hospitality suite? Will Rory's party pass without any complication, ending with hot chocolates and party bags? And will universities alter their marketing strategy to not only confirm that students have access to a gym and Deliveroo, but also to a large dating pool of the single wealthy and retired? <laughs> All will be revealed next week. But for now, it's a thank you for listening and a bye-bye from me. And if you don't mind, I'm off to drain my bladder. I'm bursting. Bye-bye. Thank you.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.